Welcome to a special Apocalypse Duds feature. This has been long in the making, almost as long as the show has existed. Today, we finally begin our discussion of the 2007 show, Mad Men. Like years ago, we put out an all call to our followers asking, do any of you know a lot about Mad Men and want to discuss this with us? We heard from no one except Zach DeLuca at Newton Street Vintage was the only person to respond. An associate creative director at an advertising firm, he's passionate about vintage clothing and he's live in our studio to fill in anything that we forgot. Yeah, we, we never forgot, Zach, that uh, you're literally the only person we asked that was like, oh yeah, like I would I would actually like to talk about that. But yeah, it's, it's finally come to fruition, all these. I had we no idea no I was- followers. We didn't have no followers at the time either. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea I was the only person. I mean, we, we've, yeah. talked to, we've talked to other <laughs> friends, like, in the course of trying to, like, plan this shit out, and they're they're down with it. But, yeah, literally, like, I mean, as Instagram stories uh, go, you know, we don't get a ton of, of reaction replies in it. But, yeah, yeah. Dude, thank you for, thank you for like joining. I'm always happy to talk about Mad Men. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. So are we, coincidentally. Um, but yeah, to start things off, man, um, we'd like to give, or we'd like you to give us basically a 60 second pitch on what you love about the show and why you would, uh, consider yourself a quote unquote authority on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was really like, if you think all the way back to when it first came out, it was one of the, you know, good long form dramas on TV, um, my affinity for it is more nostalgic for the time in my life that it okay. came out than like the specifics of the show. Although having given it a second watch relatively recently, it definitely still holds up. Um, but yeah, I just remember being, you know, in my mid to late twenties and wearing 60 suits every day. And all of a sudden the show came out and, everybody looked like I looked and it was like suddenly to be into that. And it was just one of those moments where like, I feel like when you're into vintage, it happens every so often where like sort of mainstream culture comes around and all of a sudden like random people that would never be into what you're into are suddenly like asking you questions about what you're into. Right. Um, so that's, that's why I'm, that's why I like, oh. I mean, the acting was great. John Hamm, you know, his career got made. He was like a math teacher or something. Right. Like that's a great story. Uh, Christina Hendricks, the goat. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if yeah. that's a pitch, but that's he was that's, a comedy that's a connection a comedy to the world of Mad Men. Oh, that's yeah. what John. Yeah, John Hamm wanted to do comedy, and then like Mad Men happened, and it's like that is a funny show, but like he's not a funny part of the show. Well, he kind of is. He's like a wry, but he's not like, haha. You know, he's not making jokes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were, Connor and I were talking about this at length last week. Like, Mad Men, I feel like, is in a, in a lineage of television that, like, you know, kind of, I guess, it didn't start, obviously, but, like, it took things from The Sopranos, and it, and it kind of, like, was one of the yep. first cable shows of its ilk that eventually birthed like Matt, uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and these other things that came yeah. after it. But like, yeah. you know, there's there's definitely definitely something about it that was unique for the time period of the show's run. Yeah, that, it's like, like a crossover point between 
it was happening on HBO and mainstream cable. Right. 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 Like it wasn't the first sort of long form drama, but it was certainly the first, if not one of the first long form drama on a mainstream, you know, regular cable network. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not a I fucking, mean, it couldn't have been like whatever weirdo, uh, and what the I hell was like, FX before before Mad Men, right? It was like uh, right. that show Nip Tuck that I used to watch oh, in God. college. Yeah. It was like wonderfully, delightfully trashy, but very not Mad Men in its writing. Not on the same level. Yeah. Yeah, not not quite. Yeah. We were we were definitely in the Grey's Anatomy uh, uh, cable sphere at this point, which like come on. It was a lot more soapy. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. Sure. So I guess if you would take us back to 2007 for you uh as you said an exciting exciting time in your life yeah so what was i doing in 2007 let me let me go back um i was probably like from a clothing perspective i was probably the deepest i have ever been before or since into like period specific fashion it wasn't about like integrating vintage into a modern wardrobe it wasn't about you know sort of timeless vintage like i wore 60s shit every day i wore emerald green i had an emerald green shark skin one button suit i wore those little tab collars where you can barely see the point of the collar where it's just like clutching the tie um, you know, I, I would, I discovered Bobby from Boston. This, if you don't know Bobby from Boston, the greatest vintage store in the history of the universe. Legendary. Discussed Legendary. on this program, yeah. I had very recently discovered Bobby's, so I would go in there and buy suits and just get the real deal 60s suits. I was like collecting suits. I, I wore suits every day. I was the guy who wore suits to like the backyard barbecue. I would go see like an indie band in Boston and I would like, show up in a you know blueberry blue 1960s suit like it wasn't <laughs> ivy I, did, I, I didn't know the specifics of like ivy yet like right, it was right. just straight forward 1960s tailored clothing whether that's yeah. like frank sinatra looking suit yeah, i was gonna say this this sounds like more this is like half yeah. ivy half rat pack well sorry how did you get there? Like, how did you arrive at the 1960s as a place I, of uh, excitement? I don't, I, I don't know. Honestly, it's one of those weird things. Like, I don't know. Like, why does something look good to you? Why do you enjoy something? Why does something look cool? I was never well, particularly... Well, you just just a second ago, right? Like, it's it was that collar. It was that, like, cut of suit. Yeah, but that's the what. That's not the why. Like, why did I like that? I mean, I've always been into old music. So that's probably a sort of key, like, cultural locus in terms of how I dress or what I like. You know, music taste probably probably uh, has a lot to do. But I was working. So I graduated college in 2000. So 2007, um, I was working as, like, an office assistant. Did Mad Men come out in 2007? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I was working as like an office assistant at a um, financial services company and I had to wear suits every day at work, but I didn't want to look like a financial services professional. So I was wearing these like, in retrospect, they were like, knowing what I know now about dress codes, they were like pretty 
inappropriate for business suits. <laughs> um, but I was wearing them anyway because, hey, I'm going to wear a suit. I'm going to wear this cool suit. Um, so I was dressing a lot like that. Um, Did they give you shit about that? You. No, honestly, that was my first. That was my first sort of inclination that like most people just see a suit. Yeah, they're not clued into the nuances. They see a suit, and the suit has a color, and that is it. Two buttons, strong shoulder, shark skin, ivy, double breasted, all that shit. Like people, most people do not see that. It's a suit. It's a blue suit. It's a gray suit. Like. I, I, you know, in retrospect now, it felt like I was being inappropriate, but I doubt anyone noticed. And certainly if they noticed, they never said a word to me. Nobody ever was like, you know, you're dressing a little weird for our company like that. No, it never, it never came. Um, but anyway, I had, I had a, you know, a group of friends through work and some friends um, from college. And I remember like we would, we would have like bad men watch parties. Like I remember when it came out, it was so hyped. Um, and I was hyped for it because I was obviously into all this clothing. I didn't work in advertising. I had, didn't even have an aspiration to work in advertising. I knew nothing about advertising at the time. So it was really for me about like what excited me to watch the show in the first place was like the clothes. Um, yeah. And that's that's sort of what, what got me hooked. That's Yeah. It did. I mean, you're already dressing pretty similar to like a good part of that show like obviously it spans a decade so you know things even even as they progress with the show show the change in fashion but like how did how did that show start to to influence the way that you dress um i mean i think it definitely like seeing the different characters and their sort of individual styles like i feel like everybody would say they wanted to be a don draper but i really wanted to look like pete campbell for whatever reason, nice. I liked his style a little bit more. <laughs> he uh, had a good style. Like it's it's also yeah. you know for us clothing nerds like like Pete you could you could transport Pete Campbell out of the show into Tumblr 2011 and like it wouldn't look that far off. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I didn't love um, I didn't love Sal's style. I thought the vests. Uh, we can talk about the waistcoats on Mad Men. That'll be like a whole. Uh. Yeah, I, yeah. Did, I think the show so good. Like, did, did really weird shit with waistcoats that doesn't yeah, make sense. I mean, breasted sometimes. If you were to put I, me on the phone with Janie, what's her face? I'd be like, what? What? What's the deal with the waistcoats? <laughs> I got. I so have to not, say, so they, are they not period appropriate? They're not period appropriate. They're not worn in the correct way, and they're not even particularly the right waistcoats to be worn as odd waistcoats. You can't so, just take any vest and make it into a waistcoat. I like, agree like with odd, this. Like an odd waistcoat. I definitely with a, with agree a, with this a, hypothesis. Uh, I will say from working... Weeds here. We're just diving into the weeds. <laughs> Dude, yo, so I worked for... The show you is know, about the weeds. The show is about the weeds. So I worked for, you know, this old school men's shop that started in this... Um, for a few years. Mm -hmm. um, uh, although this is not, you know, th these people have never once probably watched Mad Men, um, but a lot of them did come, you know, there were plenty of customers from that generation that were either like young professionals or in school or whatever. These motherfuckers love a badly done waistcoat. And I, I like, I don't know if that's, if that, you know, how much that has to do with the show particularly and like the time period, but like, there's a lot of old Southern white dudes that are in, in like creative positions that 
love that shit. And it always, uh, I, I've told Connor this before, I have a hatred of that look. But like, yes. you know, I, I guess maybe maybe because I've been around that, like it doesn't seem that odd to me. But like, yeah. Uh, the So I don't like a shirt, sleeves, waistcoat. You know, I feel like if you're wearing it just by itself. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Pants, yeah, you, you know, look like a, you look like a mixologist. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. am. I do like. I do like the crazy looking waistcoat with the other tailoring, though. I don't do it a lot. I think it's good if you're fat and your jacket can't button, then it's a winner. Yeah, yeah I mean, my, so Matt, I know exactly the look you're talking about. You're talking yeah, about yeah. like dark jeans with like a gray, slightly tweedy Glen plaid waistcoat that looks like it maybe came from a Glen plaid suit, but also yeah, maybe not. Yeah. And maybe it's got lapels and it probably has too many buttons and it buttons too high. And that's worn with like uh, a shiny tie and like generic shirt. And that's like that, the dressed well, up dude. There's, the, there's definitely that side of it. And then like one of the dudes that I worked with literally wore either a three piece suit or a sport coat, odd waistcoat and like, the biggest trousers you've ever seen in your life. Like it works okay. for him, but like he literally wore this every single day that I worked for this company. And I'm just like, I, first of all, how you've got, you know, 200 of these motherfuckers. Cause you don't, you know, you don't repeat things often, but like, yeah, there's just, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's part of the lasting impact of the show is that like a lot of idiots just don this trying to look like, you know, fucking yeah, maybe the, the, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The waistcoat Not, is the the residue of Mad Men. Yeah, you yeah. Have, like he on the program because one thing he didn't wear he didn't wear ridiculous vests. Um and his his style was always like again, it wasn't perfect, like it was appropriate. It, it was boring. It was and for his character. He was a little bit like preppy and ivy. He was the rich East Coast sort of mainline Philadelphia dude or Connecticut dude or wherever he was from. Yeah. Like he had that. He wore stripy ties, that kind of thing. Um, and then I also love, um, I think the best clothing on the show for men is probably Roger Sterling. Oh, absolutely. He was the most classic. He wore double-breasted suits even, you know, into the 60s because he was supposedly older. So he was a little, his sensibilities were a little bit out of touch maybe. But like, I thought his suits fit him great. I thought they were like, I feel like maybe what got me more into Ivy specifically was like digging a little bit into what Roger's suits were about. Yeah, yeah. He... He might be, I don't think he's my favorite, like, dress character, but for the character on the show, I think that his his wardrobe across the entire series is probably the best. Yeah, I would I would agree. I even yeah. liked it later in the series after he, like, his post-acid trip. When oh, started yeah, yeah. Like, it, you know, he's, yeah. He's, like, wearing a double-breasted blazer, but he's got, like, a silk handkerchief tied around his neck, and he's looking all right. playboy. Like, it's he looks like yeah. he, could, he could have stepped out of fucking pity last summer yeah. you know well he just yeah. is like you know when they talk about rich people and they talk about the the condition of their skin like it's golden uh that's what he has going on he's like bronze from like skiing all the time like, he just is magnetic john slattery yeah. is like great yeah i i this could be a thing that has come up in an interview with him but like i a lot of he wore a lot of his clothes so well that like I personally can't tell it's a wardrobe half the time, which is nuts for like a, a TV show or production. Like, 
you know, put that against like fucking Daniel Craig and a lot of the James Bond shit. Like he just, he, yes, what's interesting about that too is I remember reading and seeing like eventually at some point, and I don't know if it's because they ran out of wardrobe or if it's because they wanted the characters to look a little bit more stylish in a contemporary sense. But they were like Brooks Brothers was making custom clothing for John Hamm and John Slattery for their characters. So sometimes oh, the suits they were wearing were vintage and other times the suits they were wearing were Brooks Brothers suits that were made that time to look yeah. a little bit vintage. And honestly, I, I thought the Brooks Brothers ones look really cool. In, you could tell they were slightly different. Like the the fabrics were a little more modern. Um, you know, they they did like the edge stitching on the lapel to make it look like a you know Brooks Brothersy type thing. But um, I remember loving those. And I remember when this is maybe jumping ahead. But I remember when Brooks Brothers Black Fleece came out. Uh, not to get into like the whole Tom Brown nexus because I feel like that's very much a part of like the Mad Men moment. Oh yeah, but yeah, that's coming. When that's Black coming. Fleece came out, it was basically like. It was what John Slattery was wearing when he was wearing those Brooks Brothers. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, all all of that, was, all of that was made by Southwick, which you know has been making Brooks Brothers clothing since the dawn of fucking times. R.I.P. Southwick, right. um, sadly. But you know, like they, I remember looking at um, you know their their setup and their samples at like an M.R. show in 2011 or 2012 i don't remember and literally they had a model i think it was the cambridge that wasn't black fleece but it looked like yep. it looked like every fucking jacket on Mad Men at the time i remember i remember that exact model it was like yeah. the the it was like the final the final incarnation of like that era of tailored clothing for men yeah yeah, it was at three roll two, two button cuff, yeah. uh, hook center vents, uh, undarted, but also like high and tight, like a it's short jacket yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. I remember trying yeah. on like a 42 long in one of those just to get like, yeah. an, and I don't wear a long, just to get like a normal like, jacket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they that, were, was, they, that, that was back. But let's, let's back up because I feel like we're going to get to that whole yeah, thing. <laughs> we definitely are. Like the- <laughs> So I guess, you know, kind of to piggyback on the last uh, little discussion, um, you know, being into that clothing at the time um, and and the show coming out. And like you said, everybody was kind of like, you know, wearing wearing similar shit. Like how broad of a scale did you see that that kind of immediate effect? Uh, I mean, so the other thing that that was like really interesting at this time was I was really actually doing Newton street vintage as like a thing. Whereas now it's just sort of my Instagram name, but I was selling on Etsy under that name and I was selling at like local vintage markets under that name. Um, and I noticed like an increased interest and demand in men's tailored clothing from that era, like pretty quickly. Okay. Um, at first it was, as often happens as like happened with that ridiculous Baz Luhrmann, like Gatsby movie. Um, it was, it was for like costume needs. Like people were coming to vintage because there was this trend, you know, whether it's a Gatsby party or a Mad Men party, that's what they were coming to me for. So it wasn't like an earnest, like I want to start wearing 60 suits because 60 suits are cool. It was like, I need a suit to wear to this party. 
Um, and that's kind of how it started, but that was a, sort of the immediate uptick in because Mad Men parties a trend. Right. Um, and I loved, I loved having Mad Men parties because <laughs> it, it was like everyone was dressed like me. Um, if you didn't have a suit, I could go get you one from my closet. So like everybody would get dressed. I would just like style people and <laughs> take pictures. We pretend to smoke cigarettes or actually smoke cigarettes. Lucky uh, strike. Lucky you know, strike. Yeah, I got. I, I, I discovered Lucky Strikes around this time, of course, and like didn't realize what an unfiltered cigarette was. And oh, oh my God, yeah, is that a yeah. Um, But yeah, so that was that was sort of the immediate thing, and then there was sort of like it coincided, and I feel like it was a direct uh, sort of effect of the show. Um, so if you think about like where runway fashion, two thousand six, two thousand seven, right? This is like the height of like the Hedy Slimani skinny suit, like suits are going down the runway. Suits are part of like fashion, but they still haven't become sort of mainstream. And I feel like the sort of the two people that help make the suit like mainstream cool, well, the two, the two things, one, one being Tom Brown and the other being Mad Men. And I feel like, like the combination of those two things and the fact that Tom Brown's cultural sort of references are the Mad Men era, especially when he first came out. Obviously, he's doing a lot more artistic stuff now, but when he first came out, like he did the rows of men in gray suits getting up from their desks, right? And every, and everything was this like corporate automaton fashion. Like that was very much, that felt very Mad Men in a way. Totally. Um, so I feel like those, to those two things like increase the, you know, the interest among regular guys into tailored clothing and then you know a lot of times like 60 suits were just a, a shortcut to the tom brown look you get a skinny lapel charcoal gray 60 suit you chop the pants short you got yourself kind of a tom brown like, right so that I mean, was you, a, that was a thing you could basically walk but, into any thrift store and buy a pair of gunboats shoes yeah and this was like the early beginnings of like hashtag menswear right, right. Like, totally. this was like ACL was starting to be a big deal. That kind well, this, of stuff. Yeah, this was early. Um, like Style Forum started in 06 or 07, I think, right? Or maybe, maybe even earlier. So like, this was the beginning of that too. Yeah, totally. I, d- I hadn't discovered Style Forum at that point, but I did. Be- maybe not right when MMN came out, but a, a year or so later, certainly in the 2008 2009, like I was on the Trad Forums. Uh, Ask yeah. Andy. Ask Andy. And, uh, yeah. Film noir buff, which was like a weird, <laughs> somewhat, um, you know, niche forum. Um, but yeah, that's when I got into like forum culture and stuff too. Um, oh, there was another thing that reminds me. Like my, I loved, 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 loved a line that came out right around that time called Band of Outsiders. Do you guys remember Band of Outsiders? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that shit. It was like. LA pre- it's kind of trite now but but in in yeah. 2008 it was like so cool it, it was fucking it cutting was like yeah it was like it was like this weird intersection of like indie rock culture and LA and preppy clothing so they were like button down shirts and stripy ties and skinny suits um not quite Tom Brown but very similar i remember i would just go into barney's on my lunch break and just like gaze and just like aspire to own band amounts i've never owned a piece of the clothing i'm sure um i'm sure it wouldn't fit me but like <laughs> i would i would i would that was like and i feel like that was part of that sort of era too um 
sort of the band of outsiders look and this yeah. like I guess in the in the like context of this conversation, Band of Outsiders I feel like is is like part uh Hedy Slimane and part Tom yeah. Brown. Like it falls yeah. right in the yeah, that's a middle. Great, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And there was always something like not necessarily in the clothes themselves, although it's true like there was a very like mid century modern sort of sensibility to the way the clothes were filed, the settings that they were photographed in, um, especially when Band of Outsiders first came out, it was decidedly retro, right? So like yeah. all this is kind of happening at the same time. And like, I wasn't like, this is how you sort of train your eye. You just sort of pick what you like from different places and see how they connect and see what relates to what. But like, I, I understood visually that these things were related without necessarily fully grasping like, oh, I feel course. like for a lot of people, Mad Men probably also, if not single-handedly, like led to the mid-century modern craze. Yeah. Uh, in terms of furnishings, in terms of like decor, in terms of how you know the clock you had on your desk and everything else, like there was this mad mid-century modern craze yeah. that happened around that time too. Right. People and, were like, buying pens. You could. I, I would. I forgot about Band of Outsiders, but you're you're uh, you're talking about the forums. Reminded me, like my handle on one of the forums was Band of Outsiders. Like I love. <laughs> um, probably more so than Tom Brown, if I'm being honest. Like right. I love. I love Tom Brown. The two. I Their stuff was cool. Like, they had a cool like web presence well, too. Like, and, uh, yeah, and they were doing bands. the Polaroid thing and like. Yeah. And yeah. not many brands are really engaging in that way. <laughs> I mean, like there was this kind of small time where uh, people of our age, I guess, were like in- influencing things. Right. I keep making analogies, but like Band of Outsiders also kind of was the quote unquote uh, dressed up like American Apparel vibe because you had people that were yeah. into yeah. that. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, you were. You were... <laughs> Hi, Papa. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Can you hear the barking? No, yeah, you're you're all good. Uh, we are a yeah. <laughs> well, we are a half animal friendly show. I'm an animal person. I'm not unfriendly. I'm not unfriendly. Here's what I'm saying. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, but like you know, you mentioned a couple of times like the indie rock vibe at, at that point too, which like all like all of this somehow ties together in my brain. You know, like. The people that were shopping at American Apparel, um, you know, if they needed to go, like, uh, oh, sorry, am I muted? There we go. Yeah, now we're, we're back. Good. We're good. Yeah, we can cut that. Yeah, we'll figure that. Yeah, I'm writing oh, the time down right one, now because I'm pause for one second. Genius. I gotta, I gotta pull something out of the oven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pause for one second. Yeah, so like you know, a couple of times already, you've you've mentioned like going to indie shows and stuff, wearing a suit, but like the indie sleaze shit that was going on at that at that time period to me like there's a there's a connection between like you know they would buy american apparel to like wear out to the bar but they're like oh fuck i gotta go see you know i gotta go to a wedding this weekend oh band of outsiders i'll get a band of outsiders suit and shirt yeah totally that's yeah and the other thing speaking of indie sleaze and i think probably someone who got me into suits um before i was sort of into 60 suits specifically Albert Hammond Jr. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. hard for the Strokes. In college, the Strokes were the coolest band. I love the Strokes. Um, I saw them live back when they were touring on, I think, their second album. Um, 
you know, and in New York, it was probably passe to like them at that point, but in Boston, it was still, um, and Albert Hammond Jr., you know, he was doing the old suits with a t-shirt and his suits were always a little shrunken. His pants are always a little short. He wear them with sneakers, um, you know, and I feel like I started wearing suits like that. It just is a straight ripoff of Albert Hammond. I should probably mention at this time, I also had a very similar hairstyle to Albert Hammond Jr. I wasn't bald. I had a gigantic afro. Um, just like full curly. Um, so I was rocking, I was rocking that with my Albert Hammond suits. I would go to a thrift store, just like a literal thrift store. And I had no understanding of the finer points of a suit. I just knew a suit was a suit and I knew if it fit me or it didn't. Um, and if it didn't, if it was a little small, that was good. Right. And, um, and I would just get those for, you know, eight bucks or whatever at the time and just wear them over t-shirts. Um, and that was probably what led me into suits in general. And then from there, you know, wearing them a little bit more like earnestly or with a little bit more like intention, a little bit more understanding led me to like 60 suits specifically and what made this suit different from that suit and like what made a 60 suit different from a 70 suit. Right. right and like right. how could you spot the differences and styles? And then from there, like, well, what makes this suit an Ivy suit versus this suit, a continental suit, which is what the term for like the more European stuff would have been at the time. Like those kind of distinction all came through like research and, you know, that kind of, that kind of deeper dive. But like, in terms of like waking up a morning and being like, Hey, you know, it might be cool to go to the show wearing a suit. It was like a hundred percent like Albert Hammond Jr. Jack White, uh, right, like right. those kind, those kind of, um, you know, celebrities or whatever at the time yeah the the like indie sleaze post uh hives wannabe bands. yeah 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 although yeah, yeah. this has nothing to do with Mad Men, but i listened to the newest hives record the other day it's pretty fucking good even 20 years on so gotta gotta give those guys their props i keep seeing that guy on like instagram he keeps popping up in my stories like oh, that's funny they, they are, and... they, they still look the same. Um, <coughs> the record has, like, the right amount of cheese that I'm, like, pretty into. So, you know, they're, they're Which, This is up. not a euphemism, everyone. This is not a euphemism. Matt means cheesy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The right amount of cheesiness. Yeah, yeah, I can get down with it. I'm sure they also got a lot of people into suits back in, like, 2001, so... Yeah. I remember their like white their white suits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. The white suits. Totally. Not everyone can pull that off. I feel like the bigger point of this is like before Mad Men came along, the suit was already starting find its way into like popular culture. Totally, and totally. And like that kind yeah, of stuff. Mad Mad Men was just like a trampoline effect for yeah, for the it was an accelerant. It wasn't. It you know. It wasn't. It didn't spark. It wasn't the spark. It was the the gasoline. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, like, you know, is kind of the whole point of this little feature that we're doing. So, you know, just figuring figuring out um, how it how it affected all of us nerds. Uh, so, no, right. Which, yes. Uh, so, Zach, we we talked about how Pete and uh, Roger are probably the two best char- uh, dress characters. Do you have a favorite overall character? Um, not talking about. Clothes or style, just, just talking about just in general. person. Yeah. Peggy. Hands down, Peggy. Right. Okay. All right. All 
Peggy Olsen, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no contest. I mean, I was the know. show's no. true main character, right? Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, Elizabeth Moss did such a great job with that role. The character was so well-written, afflicted. Um, her character arc was so interesting. You rooted for her at the same time she did despicable things. Like it was just this, like just the absolute prototype for a great, a great character. Yeah. Yeah. They were all pretty deep. Every single fucking character on that show for the most part did like terrible things, which I kind of think is, is a big part of the show. Just like, Oh, these people are awful human beings. Um, We're going to show you how their lives all interconnect. Well, I mean, not exactly. It's like everyone does awful shit. It just depends on your perspective. Yeah, I guess guess you're right. I don't think that's a particularly like, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's not particularly effective, but. Right, right. So yeah, who's your guy's favorite character? Um, I got to say Sal for me. Like, I, I don't know why. I just find his character so fucking intriguing and hilarious in like a, like, I, I don't know. I guess maybe because um, he's, you know, he's got that like, or I guess supposed to have that New York mentality where he's like very quick-witted and just like, um, what's the word? Like he's from Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, he is from Baltimore. Um, so Southern what? by Association. <laughs> But like he, he just has oh, yeah. quick wit. he has that type of humor that I really like in his character, where it's like a lot, you know, a lot of times it's backhanded shit, and I'm just like, oh he's yeah, why? I mean, he's really like wick and dry witted, like yeah, just a well written character. Very well. We before we before we decided to do this independently, like I always liked Sal. <laughs> I thought it was a, I thought it's a great like. I thought it's a great story, you know, and one that was not extremely popular at the time. Like the idea of like sexuality being in the closet, all of that stuff was not really um, explored in mainstream television. So it was kind of compelling. And the waistcoats. I mean, I think he's, I think he's like, <laughs> I think his, yeah, I think his outfits from, are fucking great. From a style standpoint, Sal is definitely way more on the Connor spectrum than the Matt Smith spectrum. Um, yeah, dude, he just is out there doing weird stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that's nice. Which I, I would also look like an asshole if I tried to wear some of the shit that Connor does and looks very good. Props prop, prop to the Sal's wow, and the Connors so of the world. <laughs> And they're out there, but there are not a lot of us. Yeah, there, there's some. There's some. Um, so, uh, also, since you, you know, said you were dealing vintage clothing at the time, which I think I, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, but I'm pretty sure that I used to follow your Etsy like back in the day. Oh no way! Yeah, and like I, I, I dude, I think I've been following you on Instagram since like long before you and I actually talked about anything. Like. But I'm, I'm like Newton Street Vintage. I'm almost positive that like you were one of my favorite Etsy sellers in like 2010 to 2012, somewhere in there. Um, at some point. Yeah, that was a that was a wild time to be on Etsy. Yeah, it really. Oh, dude, it well, was, it was <laughs> like where there was stuff that was actually good on the site and where Etsy's search engine worked. God, this is a whole entire. Yeah. yeah. This is an yeah. entire episode conversation. Um, right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Not going down that tangent. Sorry, y'all. Um, <laughs> So, as someone that, like, is pretty immersed in the clothing that this show is portraying, what did not uh, cut the mustard for you? 
Oh yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, a few things. So I think like I think a lot of times costume designers. I think the show got a lot of credit. Some of it undue for like what was perceived as meticulously recreating it. And I think like that's to a large extent true. But there were some things that just weren't quite sort of right. Um, a big one for me, the shirt, the shirts. It was abundantly clear, with the exception of like a few instances, like everyone was wearing just like a modern white dress shirt. Like for whatever reason, like semi-spread collar, really high collar, like pretty stiff collar. And shirts back then, even, and I'm not just talking about like rolling ivy button downs, like even just like a basic white men's dress shirt from like 1959, 61, whatever, would have a pretty soft, relatively short collar um, because ties were. And so that, so there was, it wasn't just like the inappropriate, like the period inappropriateness of the collar itself. It was also these guys wearing these like two inch wide ties with these collars that were meant for three and a half inch wide ties. Like it looked really incongruous. Like if, yeah. you, if you know about ties and shirts, like it's not a difficult thing to spot on the show at all. No. Yeah, that's not to say that like sometimes characters weren't dressed in like period appropriate shirts. Like there were a lot of those tab collars that I was talking about in the beginning, which is just a really weird shirt style in general, but especially the incarnation, of the tab collar from like this period where do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It's got a little, okay. um, like a, yeah. cla- it's a button down. So it's, like su- uh, yeah. it's like a super short point collar, right? But it's yeah. got the tab, right? So it's just like a tab collar, but the, the collar points are so short and the tab is so tight that like everything just look, it looks like a, almost like a clerical collar. Like everything's yeah. just pulled across yeah. your neck. Yeah. 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 Um, and it like clutches the tie. It's the, it's like, it's like tie bondage. It's just like <laughs> clutching the tie. In, in this, it's really like, yeah, um, it's a very strange shirt collar, but it's also extremely of the, of that period. Totally. Um, and I used to love those. I used to wear those for that reason. Cause yeah. if and, you know, and, you know. Yeah. And like, you really have to have like a two inch tie to wear those because yeah, nothing, you can't snip it if you don't. Yeah. Yeah, you need a tiny, a really skinny tie with a tiny knot. Otherwise, you actually can't snap the tab. Right. Yeah. Good yeah. luck. Good luck doing a double forward hand in that. Right. Right. So like that, I think the waistcoat, I think the waistcoats was a big one. Like I think like that. Um, like my issue wasn't that people were wearing waistcoats or that I don't like jaunty waistcoats. I think there are a few things that came into play. <clears throat> you know. Like, a three-piece suit is one thing, right? There were very few instances of, like, men in the 1950s wearing waistcoats with suits that didn't match the suits. And if they did, or if there was, and I found, like, ads, you know, ads from the period or, like, you know, magazine articles that referenced this, there were, like, sort of specific um, waistcoats that you would wear that way. And they were worn really with like specific suits. Right. So if you were wearing like a country tweed suit, you might wear a tattersall vest yeah. or you might wear like a mustardy sort of paisley vest, but it was a very That's like good country, the- country sort of yeah. hunty, like, yeah, um, it, it's very it, teal. It's, it's very not, like hand in the pocket of like, the jacket. Well, I, yeah, and like you would not wear like a 
Go ahead. Like, I know there are different, you know, there are different rules for business dress between, say, the UK and the US. Um, Always have been. Like, it's kind of a no brown in town situation, I think. Um, Because, yeah, like, these guys might have worn that when they went to ride horses, you know, on Montauk or wherever the fuck their country home was. Right. But like, which like isn't that like a racist euphemism too? What? No, no, no brown in town. No brown shoes in town. You wear black shoes. No shoes. shoes. Yeah, yeah. But like, there are things that are double meanings, and I. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think that's I'm referring lucky. to the shoe thing. No shit, I know, but I'm saying. But you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like you were kind of saying, Zach. I think or alluding to. Like, you wouldn't wear this type, like a Tattersall vest uh, in a business setting at the time. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't alive then, but it, that's... It doesn't seem like what I've gathered, from what I've read, right. like, that wouldn't right. be... I'm sure someone did. Like, yeah. I'm sure in the history sure. of the waistcoat. But, like, it, sure. wasn't supposed, it wasn't supposed to be worn that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And, and, they, and I think, like... And they birthed an entire generation of Brooklyn bartenders that never paid. Right. But my issue with the waistcoats was almost separate from that, which is that the waistcoat that they were wearing didn't, weren't the sort of, they were wearing them with the sort of suits that you wouldn't wear a waist, an odd waistcoat with. Right. And then the odd waistcoats themselves were not the patterns and fabrics that you would ever want in an odd waistcoat. Yeah. It looked like they had taken vests from other three-piece suits and just sort of slapped them on characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, that's like... Like, especially guys that were dressing. So if you go back and look at, like, articles in menswear magazines from this era, like, and you can find some cool illustrations and photos and stuff, like, there was this sort of interesting play between what what was then called natural shoulder tailoring or Ivy League tailoring, which was kind of like, if we're going to assign it to a character on Mad Men, probably mostly, like, Roger Sterling and sometimes Pete. Right. And then there was like this sort of continental style, which was, um, you know, a little bit more like how Don Draper dressed, a little bit more like two button shark skin, really narrow side vents. Um, and the distinctions between these honestly weren't that big compared to like the wild distinctions between suits nowadays, where you've got like the structured shoulder and all this other, like it was all very like, similar in silhouette it was all pretty trim it was all pretty natural but there were these like subtle differences and then the big difference too was like colors like continental suits you get like the blueberry blues and the copper sort of shark skin and the root beer browns and everything was a little bit sheenier and then like obviously the ivy league tailoring was very flannel all of navy classic pinstripes that kind of you know glenn plaids all the stuff that we still like and wear um and i felt like the mix of from what i understand or at least have read like those were sort of two separate shops right like you wouldn't you wouldn't just go to one store and get both of those types of tailoring you went you would go to like a a store that specialized in more like italian continental stuff and you'd go to a like a classic ivy league shop which would have been you know obviously jay press or brooks Brothers, but also like paul stewart in the 1960s was one of those types of shops yeah yeah um or your regional you know clothier or whatever but like and I don't know how rigid in reality, historical reality, those two like camps would have been. Like honestly, like guys probably bought both and both just like they do now. Yeah, but, certainly, certainly. Um, Especially if you're in, if you're working in like, Midtown Manhattan, all of this is immediately surrounding you. So, but it, it it seemed like a character like Pete, 
especially would understand the distinction between those things. And I felt like that wasn't really like authentically represented in his character. Like someone like Don might not, right. Don's a social climber. He doesn't have that Mm -hmm. like pedigree. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, Someone like Roger certainly would, even if he decided to like kick it to the curb after trying drugs or whatever. But yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that, that, that sort of distinction was, and I, I didn't realize that at the time, right. When I was into it, it was it all looked great because I, yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't weeded, weeded through all those different, you know, details and distinctions yet. So like, it all just looked amazing when it first, when I first saw it. Right. And then I got a little deeper into it did a bunch of digging. Like, <laughs> I should probably mention like at this time I was so into clothing that this was just like a natural hobby that was happening. It wasn't like I was like, I must research Mad Men post haste. Like it was just like happening in the background <laughs> while the show was on. Um, you know, so that was kind of like, that was kind of, that, and that's probably, that's probably my two things. The waistcoats, like some of the suits were a little, little not right for the characters and the shirts were probably the biggest one. The shirts were, bad yeah i can we gotta I, pull some I could agree, yeah i could agree with that one um you know it's 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 also like to me knowing brooks brothers it's really hard to think that like you couldn't get it closer to correct because they literally haven't changed all that much at all so like, yeah, I I think it was just they didn't know or didn't care. They were just like we men wore white shirts, get a bunch of white shirts. Right, right. Like, yeah. Like yeah. that like yeah, like that that level of yeah, intentness. They, yeah. they didn't have a It yeah. just seems like such a it seems like such a glaring like point of importance, you know. Wasn't there an episode though, like thinking now about it, like wasn't there a big deal like there was an episode with Don Draper and G uh-huh. that happened in one of the latest seasons? Where like he goes to California and he's like in a white t-shirt and jeans, like working yeah, on a car. That yeah, right. yeah, like the yeah. first part, the first part of this Honestly, last like, season. I was just thinking this as we were talking earlier. Like, I don't think that Don's casual looks get enough credit because there's some of my favorite about the entire fucking. Show. And like by casual, you know, sometimes it's a pair of flannel uh, trousers, a pair of boots, and like a sweater. Like when he's, you know mowing the grass or something but like yeah there's some really fucking good like casual vibe you know very 60s looks that he pulls off yeah i thought so too he wore polos in a really nice way there were those great mm-hmm. episodes where he had to go into the office on the weekend yeah mm-hmm. yeah and he'd always show up in like a sport coat with a polo underneath and right. really cool right i i've tried one of those episodes i think i remember pete showing up in like a madras jacket which felt right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like when they expanded to california there were some really solid like west coast looks but like it was West Coast done by East Coast people, which I really appreciated. Yeah. I'm trying to drop a, a photo in the but it's not dropping. I found a great pic of for 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 those listening, I found a great pic of um, Don Draper in a double denim Levi's jacket and uh, jeans. But then I zoomed in and I realized the jacket is like period incorrect by about 30 years oh is it a type four or whatever the fuck a trucker <laughs> we found we found another wardrobe issue for me to for me to the 80s version with the the lower lower two pockets on the type three it is a 80s version with lower two pockets yeah. i can just see the, the buffalo plaid you guys are you guys are, you guys are like 
brother brother <laughs> yeah, from another it's, mother. <laughs> it's literally thirty years thirty years too late to yeah. be worn by Don Draper. Oh my god! <laughs> Yo, we gotta okay. We're we're gonna share that when when this comes out, and I have to figure out <laughs> what episode. And I can't is. overstate this enough. I can't overstate this enough because this is what it means to be a clothing nerd. But like, John Hamm looks fucking great in this wardrobe. <laughs> he scarcely looks bad it's just not right right if you know what you're looking at if you know you motherfucking know he looks cool as hell it fits him great it's a great looking thing but it's just not the thing yeah that that historically this is why someone needs to hire me for all of their period correct menswear shit and uh i i will not make this well that's why i was talking about um I, I follow him on Instagram, and he's super into the 60s, too. Uh, Christopher Pizarro. Do you guys follow him? I do not. Um, shout out, Chris. Uh, we've DM'd. We've never met in person. Um, but he has great, like, authentic 60s style. Um, and I think he, he works in, like, costuming now for shows. I think he worked on Maisel. Oh, that's Marvelous awesome. Marvelous Miss Maisel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my, that's why it rings a bell. Yeah, my so maybe, um, things will, maybe things will improve. My friend Sam, uh, who ha- had on the show, Sam Rockwell, also is like I think I said it on that episode, but like the most knowledgeable person about vintage that I know. Um, and yeah, she's done some like like uh, some very period correct shit, and I'm like, yeah, cool. There are people that are actually like giving a fuck about the stuff, not just yeah. And that actually reminds me, we're talking about my Etsy. We're talking about. Um, <clears throat> you know, what kind of set clothes were selling, what was happening. Um, the only time I've ever like been tangentially connected to like any kind of costume uh, production was after Mad Men got popular. I'm not sure if, I think it was still on the air. Uh, I think it was like one of the really mainstream now, ABC tried to put out a show that was just called Vegas. And it was like the Vegas strip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it bombed after a season, but they bought, like a massive box on Etsy for the show. They didn't like wow. correspond with me. There was no like, they just add to cart purchase. I shipped it, but I knew it was for them because it, it had their like studio number and it said like attention Vegas wardrobe department on that dress. Like it was, it was probably the biggest order I'd ever gotten. They cleaned me out. Like I, don't, I never bothered to watch the show to see if anything got used on screen. It was probably just for extras and get it on. Like, we got and that was pretty. Go. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I definitely felt like a big shot for about five minutes. Dude, yeah, it's always <laughs> nice. <clears throat> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, this is a fun trip down memory. Lane. Yeah, dude. Band it, of Outsiders. I haven't thought. I haven't thought about Band of Outsiders in like years. Hey, wait. Years. We want to put brain worms into your head that now you're yeah. going to think about shit that you yeah, haven't thought about. Yeah, I want to look at old <laughs> Outsiders ads. I, <laughs> I used to. I used to like. Used to like but this is before. I don't even know if I had a smartphone. This shit was on. like. But I used to like doom scroll on my computer just the Band of Outsiders like website because it was all just like Polaroids of people in these right. clothing. Uh, wasn't wasn't the um, uh, photographer who did that campaign? Uh, I do. I, you got me. I, sw- I, I it's not Terry Richardson, but I feel like it's someone in that realm. Yeah, it was that kind of that kind of a vibe. It was yeah, very LA. I, I can't remember who who the photographer. Uh, uh, yo, you mentioned earlier that like. You know, when the show came out, you weren't even, you know, thinking about going into advertising. But did this somehow play a role in you, like, going in that direction? Just out of curiosity. Not even a little bit. Okay. No, 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 no. Not, not even, not even a You're tiny too bit. fucking perfect. Um, yeah, no. I, to just unrelated 
ideas unrelated unrelated things yeah i mean um, obviously you know you you're a very um you have an eye for detail and things which you know lend itself well to i'm sure what you do and things like that it was just, just it would have been too yeah I, mean, I should i should give it a rewatch because some of the storylines might resonate even more now i mean obviously the deep personal stuff and the interpersonal storylines are what they are, but like a lot of like the client drama and the deadline drama, like that might be a little more, a little more close to home right, now than right. it was back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's that's an interesting thought. But no, it didn't have any like it didn't have any any real like. I think part of the reason my favorite character in retrospect is Peggy is because my career trajectory was very Peggy esque. Um, but I don't think the show itself was like, Hey, you should go figure this stuff out. You should go get into the ad world or become a copywriter or whatever. Right. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't that, it wasn't that linear. They were, they were very disconnected in time and space and thought. Right. Right. So then do you think there's, I mean, we're 10 years basically from the premiere the end no, from the end of, of the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. The that's, like an, that's like a milestone. That's like an anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, do you? Th- how do you think of it? Ten years on, is this too broad? To, it's to quote like, Don Draper. To paraphrase Don Draper, I don't think about it at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I do, but I do, but I don't. I mean, I didn't have any real like. I, it was on Netflix. I think I watched a bit of it. I don't think. We definitely gave it a full rewatch not too, too long ago, uh, my wife and I. Um, but I haven't thought about it in a while. Um, so when you guys popped up with that story about, like, anyone have thoughts about Mad Men, that really, like, brought it back. But I hadn't, I wasn't, like, um, I wouldn't even, if I'm being honest, I wouldn't even say it's one of my favorite shows. Um, it's definitely, like, a nostalgic time and place for me. Um, so it takes me back in that sense. But, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider it, like, a favorite TV show. Even though I religiously watched every episode and like went over to people's houses to have parties about it <laughs> and like meticulously followed the releases of the Mad Men Banana Republic collection and the Mad Men Brooks Brothers collection. Oh my gosh. And all that yeah. Shit. We, um, we did not even get into the weeds with the Banana Republic and how god awful. It was so it's interesting though thing. because it was like, in some ways, like guys going and seeing that stuff, like a certain percentage of those guys will like get, get sort of you know, driven in the right direction or like, right. They'll, fi- they'll find the totally. way, totally. they'll find the way to like the, the real shit. Um, but yeah, I agree that the banana public thing, I feel like a lot of the, the sort of retrospect of like, like the Mad Men parties and like the, all, like the, didn't they do like a Times Square thing where everyone was like smoking and cigarette from cigarette, fake cigarettes from cigarette holders and had like fedoras on and shit. Sounds you correct. That? Uh, I, I, <laughs> they definitely did like a thing yeah. Times Square that was like a watch party for one of the, I think it must've been because it was, it was a huge phenomenon at that point. So it couldn't have been season one. Um, but I think it was the second season. They did like a crazy thing in Times Square. Um, you know, I feel like that um, a funny little, if I had to like, if I had to boil down all of this stuff, all these impressions, all of this, like, you know, all these sort of style moves i'll be like it, it would all get boiled if i had to pick like one or two words it would be tie bar <laughs> like <Yeah>. the <laughs> yeah. resurgence the absurd and and oh my gosh like nobody could have foreseen if, if i had if i if i could have a time machine i would go back in time and like start a tie bar brand in 2008 
Well, you, you would be amongst... Stock up on tie bars. I would be the tie bar. Like, I, Well, I was going to say you would be amongst a lot of other motherfuckers that have that same idea, although a year or two later. Because... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, like, I feel like Mad Men, uh, for whatever reason, it led to this obsession with men's accessories. Yeah. Yeah. Tie bars, cufflinks. These things somehow came to be like the Don Draper thing, right? Like, I don't know what it was about the tie bar. Maybe it was just like the obscurity of it or like everyone kind of knew what a tie bar, tie was, but here's this weird thing you use to clip your tie to your shirt. Right, right. Like, I remember going to vintage stores and looking for those and they would have, they were, they were selling out. Yep. Like they could not keep them in stock. Like, you know, most vintage stores, even the bad ones, will have, like, a section of just, like, really cheap men's cufflinks and tie accessories that never get yeah. sold, that's sort of just collecting dust in some right. some right. display case. They sell, they sell like, one every three years. Happened. Yeah. And those cases were, like, getting mobbed. <laughs> and they were getting cleaned out. Everybody wanted every cufflink, every tie bar, <laughs> every weird little polypin, which I still like. Um, like it was this insane gold rush for like bad. What was it called? What's that company? Like Swank was it? Yeah, there was Swank a company Powers. called Swank that made yeah. like just cheap, run of the mill men's cufflinks and tie bars and stuff back in the day, and like that stuff was just flying out of course, just absolutely. I remember every store that I would go to, they were like, "We don't have any tie bars." Like eleventh person this afternoon. <laughs> People go to the vintage store having no interest in vintage clothing, but they'd be like, oh my God, tie bars. And they'd buy a tie bar. Right. Like, right. insane. Yeah. I mean, when I started at Epaulette, like my first Christmas there, the, uh, you know, Christmas season of 2011, every fucking like partner of some boring ass dude in Carroll Garden bought a fucking tie bar for their, their stocking or, yeah. or whatever. Like, and this was 2011. Like, this was four or you know three seasons into the show. <sighs> yeah, it's it was like I feel like the tie bar craze is like the the microcosm of the cultural impact of Mad Men. It, totally for sure. Totally. It, and before we started doing or working on this, I hadn't thought about a tie bar in God knows how long. Right, exactly. Yeah. Man, thinking about tie bars, thinking about Band of Outsiders. <laughs> about... Well, uh, <clears throat> Zach, dude, thank you for. Uh, letting us take a walk down uh, memory land with this and um, everyone else stay tuned for more in our Mad Men feature. Yeah. Thanks. This was fun guys. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the times. I appreciate it. Good evening and welcome to part two of part one of our special Apocalypse Duds Mad Men series. Long in the making, this was Matt's idea, we've been working on it for about a year. This episode will serve as part two of the first episode of the series. We hope you enjoy. Our next guest came highly recommended by the sage of menswear himself, Derek Guy. Today, we welcome the elegant electrician, the sniper of style forum, the best dressed member of the IBEW, Peter Zatolo. Welcome and thank you. Thank you for being <laughs> thank here. Thank you. Wow, such kind words. I don't know how well I can live up to that, but I will try. 
You I do. Mean, People have seen yeah. the fucking outfits. You do. <laughs> right. And, and no offense <laughs> to anyone. I, I have lots of union friends, but uh, most union people that I can think of don't really, you know, don't really command the attention with their clothes. You kind of, it's uh, all yeah, camera trickery and fucking <laughs> mirrors. Well, so that's even more impressive, right? Because you do you do the photography kind of like I yourself? do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So it's even more fucking impressive. So like, <laughs> yeah. Good on you. Yeah. A- anyone that's been around, you know, the forum and the, the hashtag menswear uh, world of the past, you know, number of years has certainly seen people. Um, we haven't officially had you on the show, but could you give us a little background about yourself and uh, tell us why you have insight into Mad Men? Oh, I'm honored to be on the show. So first thank of all, you. Thank, thank, you you. For, <laughs> thank you for asking me to put in my two cents. It's really going to be two cents, maybe a cent and a half. So <laughs> I'll do the best I can. Um, Mad Men. I remember when that came out. That was in the mid 2000s, right? And yeah. it was so well done. It was so, so well done. Probably the first good thing that AMC did, really. Was this before um, Breaking Bad? I want to say it was before Breaking Bad. I, I think I, it started before. Yeah, I think so as well. It, you know, like, it, it was one of the first AMC kind of, uh, like, legacy televisions that they, yeah. they ended up making. Like, the first in their lineage. Yeah, Breaking Bad that was, was the next year. Because it uh, was the next Mad year, Man okay. 2007, Breaking Bad 2008. Wow, okay. Man, it's so crazy to go back in the Wayback Machine and look at how much it did influence me. So I'm scrolling through my Tumblr. If you want, <laughs> I don't recommend really go way it, but back. It, it does give you a little bit of insight. So, okay, I'm going 12 years ago. I'm, I, I keep scrolling. I do keep scrolling. So, to go back even earlier to the 90s, I was in high school and most high school kids like myself could not really afford suiting. But I grew up wearing suiting in a religious household. And so my parents couldn't really afford to clothe three boys in suits. So they said, well, if you want to find something in a thrift store, go go, go for it. So... I would go into thrift stores and find really cool um, plaids, really cool Brooks Brothers suits. And I was just looking at a picture of myself from 1994, which is the year that I graduated high school. And there's a picture of me in a plaid, really chunky plaid. I'll send it to you. Yes, please. It's actually yeah. a, a really good picture of me. I don't. Most of the pictures when I was a kid, I'm like, I, I'd rather yeah, compared those. to the other ones. <laughs> yeah, horrible, horrible pictures of you. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather just relegate that to my memory and not share that with anyone else. But this one is a good one because the jacket is just so good. So um, the biggest thing that was around in that time was J. Crew. In fact, side point: if you want some really inspiring '90s pictures, there's an Instagram called Lost J. Crew, which is amazing. Oh, check that Instagram out. It is just gorgeousness and a trip down memory lane. But I was really into that because for me, as a Southern California boy, that was so very foreign. The Northeast was something completely different, a world apart. But I liked it because it kind of referenced those classic Ivy styles, which were all but forgotten in Southern California. You would see them in some corners, but not very often. And so... This picture is of me in a J. Crew tie and a J. Crew chambray shirt. 
and it's a plaid tweed 60s sack cut sport coat three button narrow lapels with swelled seams patch flapped pockets two buttons on the sleeves of course and the best it, it was just a great jacket and i wish i still had it um if do you, remember, you, you know do you remember what maker it was i don't that's uh, a really yeah. good question yeah I, I wish i did know but um side point if if you do want someone who is extremely knowledgeable about Ivy style and Mad Men in particular, reach out to a guy named Christopher Pizarro. He is from the Bay Area, but he has been living in New York for the past few years. And he used to work in a vintage store on The Hate, and I would see him there from time to time. Then he moved to New York, and now he works in the industry. Um, one of his projects was helping to outfit the fabulous Mrs. Meisel. Oh, shit. That's awesome. Yeah, so he is extremely knowledgeable. And he I think he said, I, I posted that picture of me when I was graduating high school. And he says, I think I had the same jacket. So maybe he knows the maker of that jacket. But anyway, I was really into that at, at that time. And then when I moved to New York in 95, from 97, again, I would find these used 60s suits. I have a few pictures of me in those they were entirely too big of course and so i (laughs) I tailored them so you have these you know oversized shoulders and and nipped waist and uh pants where you take in the waist so much that the pockets meet in the back and the alterations lady is just rolling her eyes when you ask her to do it but she says yeah sure whatever kid you're right (laughs) and then i came home back to california but moved up to the north part of California in the Bay Area, and was still kind of into that. But by the time the early 2000s and the mid 2000s happened, I was just getting into style form and I was just learning about uh, more classic men's tailoring before the 60s. So Italian and British tailoring that would reference the classic 30s, classic 40s. So I, I started to swing that way a little bit. And then Mad Men came out, and that rekindled my love for the 60s tailoring. So I got really into that. By that time, I had not the best job in the world, but I had one that gave me a little bit more spending money. And so I would go into uh, vintage stores or just scour thrift stores for very particular suits that would mimic the... um, the style of Mad Men. And I have these suits that I, I look at them now and I look at me in them and I'm like, man, I missed that suit. I really, really, really dug that suit. Um, and I've gotten bigger since then. So, and this is not to say that the style doesn't look good on bigger guys. It's just, totally, totally. Um, I kind of thought, well, I should get something a little more in line with um, my changing taste. So I did eventually grow out of that. But man, during that time, I had some killer suits that was just such a great time yeah especially at that time period too and i I kind of still think this way like 60s stuff um most you know early stuff is is a little bit more classic a little bit wide and lapel the kind of mid 60s was very much like you know the the more narrow stuff and in the late 60s you started getting into almost the 70s size lapels yeah there's you know there's three distinct differences um in in that decade alone but i think that like a lot of them you know especially because they're soft shouldered um not quite unstructured like italian stuff but like 
you know, if you're a certain person and you're into that, like you can kind of work that into just a, a normal wardrobe and it doesn't look off. You know, Brooks Brothers has, hasn't really changed since the dawn of time. So, you know, their classic sack cuts can still look really good. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, around the same time, Tom Brown was working with Brooks Brothers for, was it Black Fleece? Black Fleece. I want to yeah, say. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I can't remember when that collab started, but I want to say it was like, like pre-Mad Men, like 06-ish. Man, let me just do a quick search, Tom. Yeah, fact check me. Brooks, no, look, I'm, we talked, I'm curious. This came up with Zach. Like it was all at the same time, basically the same time, anyway. Yeah. Oh well, I'd have to do a little bit more research than I'm willing to do right now. But yeah, yeah. it was around that time, yeah. and so I remember distinctly going into a Black Fleece store. So there was a, a Black Fleece store in San Francisco off of Fillmore, and going in there and thinking, "Man, this is so great." But even then, I thought, man, boy, these jackets are short. Right, right. <laughs> but I think the resurgence of that style made everyone forget that they were actually well-fitting suits. They were not overly slim. They were not overly short. Yeah. But when the style came back again, as people are prone to do, they went to extremes and they had very cropped short, uh, excuse me, cropped pants and crop jackets, and things that were a little too short. In fact, I remember my wife, she's actually behind me right now, and she, she she can confirm this. There was one suit that I got, and she's like, no, too tight. <laughs> it was, they didn't, they, it they was didn't wear time. it like that. Yeah. And, right, yeah. Because yeah. Um, that's one of her favorite um, time periods for women's clothes as well. Oh, totally. So both of us would have fun. Oh, check out this cool suit. Oh, check out this cool dress. And this one brown shark skin suit she's like a mm, little too short a little too tight and i'm like ah you're right so i i, I gave that away <laughs> it's uh all relative i guess like you sort of go uh you sort of go toward the edges as you become more comfortable with stuff yeah you can play around with that and until you finally settle on what for you is the right amount of room, the right amount of length. For sure, for sure. I mean, that's a whole lifetime, basically. You try things out and you're like, actually, this is not quite me. It's a little too big or it's a little too roomy or it's a little too tight. Right, yeah. That's part of the fun, right? You try it on and you give it a couple months and you're you're like, "Mm, eh, actually, no. I I personally had a couple of black fleece things that I had thrifted. um, Oh, nice. In like 2011, 2012. And I'm, I'm not a tall person. And so the length for me was was basically fine because I'm I'm like a 37 short jacket anyway. And nice. so, you know, just like a, a 38 regular in black fleece was just fine with me. Um, you know, Lucky it's, guy. Uh, it's one of those funny things that like like you said, you know, it, it, it really some of this stuff does depend on, you know, height, etc. But when you find that kind of thing that works uh, within the realm of the style, it's it's so nice. Yeah, it was a good time and, to be short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it was a good time to be short. It was like finally they had figured out how to make short people look good. Right. Yeah. If I put on a '60s like regular length jacket, it's you know it's usually like 30 inches or so from the bottom of the collar, which is like right. doesn't seem too long. But I I my proportions just don't work with it as much as I've tried over. This. 
Yeah, I'm five eight five nine. Okay. So yeah, the the back length from the collar it should be about mm, 29, 30 inches at the most. And right. Yeah, depending on the cut of the suit, that sometimes works for me, sometimes doesn't. Totally. Totally. But yeah, I remember when Mad Men came out and that was a, a big influence on me and getting into that style and then going to the forums and uh, there was a couple other guys on the forums at the time. This is the early 2000s, uh, early 2010s, maybe 2008, I started posting and there were some other guys that were really into that. And then there was these other guys that were into this crazy Italian bespoke clothing right, or Savile right. <laughs> Row suiting. And that was so foreign to me. I'm like, you mean you actually have new clothes made specifically for you? You don't go thrifting? <laughs> right, right. Back, yeah. And that was at a time when you could actually walk into a thrift store fairly regularly and come out with something rad. Man, there's this one time. Okay. My wife and I <laughs> complain about this all the time. So when I was growing up, in Southern California, there were dollar thrift stores. I don't even think those exist anymore. Yeah, I've got what a couple of dollar. dollar. Nothing costs oh, a dollar. Oh, nice. Anymore. Yeah, I, I will not divulge where they are, but. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, keep that to yourself. You have to go to some godforsaken place like in Alabama, okay? Yeah, basically. Basically. Oh, man. So there was this dollar thrift store in Escondido, which is just north of San Francisco. And I would go in there every day after school. And. This was when the latter part of my high school, I moved up to North County. And so these were all new thrift stores to me. So uh, I would go into this dollar thrift store every day after school. And they had, at, at that time, I was actually into 40s clothing. So in my early teens, I was really into 40s and 30s clothing. And there was this thrift store, uh, no, excuse me, vintage, proper vintage clothing store in San Diego called Wear It Again, Sam. That, <laughs> nice. that I have... Uh, do I even have any photographic evidence of those suits? I may. Uh, like all were you taking forty suits? No, even not then, at that you time. Were no, the no, no. I just no. That's the thing. That's why there's not a lot of photographic evidence. I wasn't as vain as I yeah. <laughs> became. Well, it's like you. It was hard. You can't take a fit pick, right? It's like the fit pick is kind of a disposable uh, occasion. Yeah, my um. I don't even think I had a cell phone at that time. But if the cell phones, I don't think they had cameras back then, at least not easily. Right, right. Ones. Yeah, you were, waste, you were wasting your, your Fitbit on, on film that cost money to yeah. buy and develop. Yeah. Um, and then, so that was in the early part of my teens. And then in the later part of my teens, I got more into 60s clothing. But anyway, this one thrift store, uh, I, I got two suits. One was a pristine flannel light blue flannel very spaced out chalk stripe but a faint chalk stripe so not like a in your face kind of bugsy Malone chalk stripe yeah, like, more a, of a, like a subtle one very subtle and that was a dollar and then i got a 60s suit also for a dollar and yeah, <laughs> i still i do have photographic evidences of of both of those suits they were they were really good really cool suits yeah, we're, we're going to have to see all of this photographic evidence because this sounds fucking great. Yeah, I, I will. I will. I'll take some pictures and I'll send them to you. Hell yes. <laughs> pictures of pictures. Right, right. Yeah. Because they're film, right? They're like printed. Yeah, they're printed out. I've got pictures. I was just looking at some of these pictures of me when I was living in. Uh, I have a photo album that I made when I was in New York of me like the year before. So the which so 93, 94, and then 
the year I moved to New York, which was 95, and I have pictures of me during that time. And I was such a starry-eyed lad at that time. And um, But yeah, all of that is... I'll send you pictures. That, in fact, the one thing that remains throughout all of those pictures is that J. Crew tie, which is sadly I don't. <laughs> oh man! Oh. I know. Wait, can you can you describe the J. Crew tie? Because honestly, they made some great neckwear in the like eighties and nineties. Yeah, yeah. It was a a rep tie, so it was a red mm-hmm. and yellow, and if I'm not mistaken, very very muted dark green. Um, j crew striped tie and it was just the right amount of color it was very it, not relatively thin it was about you know classic three inches okay yeah so wasn't too thin wasn't too fat um it tied really well um at that time <clears throat> if you recall in the 90s ties were horrid <laughs> oh gosh right. yeah yeah in a good way. So there is like a very 90s aesthetic that those kinds of ties look good with. So there was what was really popular at that time was um, two things. There Very small knots were really big. So right. in the 90s, especially if you look at old Armani ads, the, the tie knot is super small. And then it balloons out and creates this fantastic dimple. And Armani ties in particular were really uh, about crepiness. So crepey silk or very textury silk. Yeah, ties in general during that time were geometric woven, not a lot of prints, or the prints were wild. Yeah, you had like yeah. Jerry Garcia ties. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, Garcia. I, I see those somewhat regularly. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. Uh, yeah, I see yeah. them all the fucking time. I've never seen one that was worth wearing. No, yeah, me neither. But um, those kinds of wild, it it, it got kind of fifties esque. Um, so you did have a little bit of throwback to the 50s during that time right. almost um, like an atomic influence from that time period yeah yeah um i do still have some vintage 50s ties from that i still have but never wear yeah. um but uh th- then what was also really popular was and i've never seen it since it hasn't come back i don't know if it ever will um but it was a kind of weave so they would print on silk but the silk would have a damask on it. So if you looked at it in a certain light, it would have another pattern <laughs> on top of the pattern. Yeah. Um, very hard to explain, but if you wore ties in the 90s, you most certainly had at least one of them was if like you, that. If you have ever been a tie buyer um, in the industry, you know that these things still exist because companies for whatever the fuck reason keep trying to make this happen still and it's like guys this is 2015 this looks <laughs> like 1995 no please no yeah well men's style usually moves at a pretty glacial pace yeah yeah go. for sure yeah uh so when you you know when you were getting into style form and things it seems like that's that's happening at the same time um that you know Mad Men had sent its swan song or a siren call to you so were you you know kind of before you started and found the forums like were you still wearing 60 stuff um or were you in you know kind of another mode at that point no i was very much into 60 stuff in fact yeah yeah one of the reasons why i ended up on style forum was i was looking for a place to buy 60s suits right now because at the time um, I think all of the lapels were still around three and a half, four inches. Um, 
And so it was very difficult to find one that was made. But, oh boy, I wonder if I remember the name of this maker. So there was a guy in Southern California, and I met him in Alhambra. And I remember distinctly uh, going down to Southern California and telling my wife, we have to stop in Alhambra so I can meet this guy. I think there's still a thread on (laughs) Style Forum. Is this the Mike Skinhead dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah! um, Oh, fuck! I can't remember his brand either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very much that, like, you know, traditional skin vibe, which was basically Ivy. Yep, yep. So he was, yeah, so he was um, a really cool dude that was living in L.A. And if I go on Style Forum, and I think he's, like, one of the main contributors to the suede head into skin yeah head, yeah um thread uh super knowledgeable guy but yeah his stuff definitely skews more mod suede head than ivy but um he was the only one in california that i knew that could make that kind of a suit so i went down there and i had a suit made from them and it ended up sucking royally oh yeah uh... but i mean that happens it was my that was my very first custom suit, so and I'm I'm glad I had a horrible experience because <laughs> um, it only got better from there. But um, there, I did have some, and I have had since then some uh, unfortunate bespoke experiences. Uh, but that was yeah. my first uh, attempt to try and recreate something like that that was new because I think the only thing, as you mentioned before, that was available at that time was black fleece, which was astronomically out of my budget. Right. Yeah. And oh man, I think anyway, I'll stop trying to think of it. But It'll at that time, yeah, I was, sure. yeah, at the time, I think my favorite character of that show, my wife's favorite favorite character of the show is Pete. Okay, <laughs> that's inter- that's an interesting. Isn't story. that what Zach said too? Yeah, yeah, he did. Pete is one of those people that just ground on my nerves a good portion of the show. I yeah, th- I, I think he has a redemption arc, again. but. He's, he's yeah. kind of a snivelly asshole. He is. Yeah, he is such a tool. Man, yeah. I hated him. <laughs> yeah, he's like not likable and he's not supposed to be likable. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it, it, Vincent Kartheiser played that role very well, I will say. Yeah, he did. He's I mean, like, he's, he's like believable. a no, has no possessions type guy, like live in the woods type character. So yeah. he does an amazing job being right. uh Pete. Right. But at the same time, uh, okay, it's been a while since I've seen Mad Men. And I wouldn't mind watching the series again. I haven't seen it since it came out. But um, similar to the main character, he came from kind of a nobody background. Right. Yeah. Um, And so he tries to make something of himself. He marries into a good family. Right. um, And he still has these self-doubts. Whereas John Hamm's character, he is very successful at it. <laughs> and so he had, doesn't really have these self-doubts. They come up every now and then, but not yeah. really. He, he squashes them down. And he continues with his pursuit of what he thinks is right. Totally. Isn't the point that he struggles with it? Like, isn't the point that he's like doing all the philandering, doing all the drinking, like, well, because I, he can't hack I, it? He can't I think, to, Pe- I think mm-hmm. to Peter's point, he, he, like daughters on that line most of the time you know he doesn't think about it at all and it like and then it like when it starts haunting him it really is like you know kind of the the secondary plot of every episode that happens so you know yeah yeah, he's really good at projecting his image and like i think 
you know, maybe maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I feel like one of the points of the show is him believing the projection three quarters of the time and a quarter of that time, like not being able to handle it. That's a great way to put it. I'd have to agree with you there. That's better said than what I was trying attempting to say. <laughs> I, I just came up with that shit off the top of my head. So I don't know. That's how they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Pete's way of dealing with his position and his aspirations is conniving and, and sniveling and pouting. Right. Um, which is not very and worse. N- n- yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, my wife's favorite character, m- male character was Pete. Um, I think everyone, including my wife's favorite female character was, uh, oh, what was the, what's her name? The secretary. Oh, uh, uh, Peggy. Peggy? Uh, no, not. Peggy. Oh, uh, Joan. Christina Hendricks. Joan. Character. Yes, Joan. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Christina Hendricks. Because she would just wear uh, amazing colors and amazing dresses that just, you know, perfectly fit every curve of her body. Whereas Betty, or sorry, not Betty. Um, or is it Betty? Yeah, his wife. Yes. Um, Betty was kind of boring. Right. Right. Very, um, house, very housewife. Um, and like, like I don't know. It, it just, the character itself was was to me like, very much like a Stepford Wives type vibe. Yeah. I think she was supposed mm-hmm. to be. Um, or and, or maybe even she sought that out. I don't know. Yeah. Um, she did. So, she totally did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She was looking for comfort in that. And then when she had a, such a philandering husband, <laughs> everything just kind of came crashing down. Right. Right. Or not that when she accepted it, I think yeah. she knew about it for a long time. For sure. Um, but then, but my personal favorite character uh, is oh, what's his name? I'm really sorry. I I did not do my research, so you'll have to forgive me. Oh, it's okay. But um, the guy with uh white hair. Oh, Roger. Roger Sterling. Thank you, Roger. Yeah. Yes, Roger yeah. Sterling. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I uh, liked him because everything was just so. Uh, it was a little more. It had a little more pizzazz than John Hamm's character. Right. Because John Hamm's character was extremely boring. He just he, everything he did was to blend in. Whereas Roger's character had a little more style. He was a little more, you know, he obviously came from uh, a place that he, he knew his place in society. Right. And yeah. He, was very he, comfortable he had with grown that. up in this, you know, in this whole thing too, which, yeah. you know, I, I feel like the, um, the way that he dressed was, was apt because he was one of the heads of this agency and had like, you know, been there basically his whole life. Yes. Well, he was an officer too, right? Yeah, he was in yeah. the army. Yeah, with him as well. Um, but like, but then, not as a not as a like grunt, and then like fake NCO. He was like a real blue blood officer. Yeah. So um, and he then more was, of a... there's a, a couple of the characters that I really liked. Um, Ken Cosgrove, I kind of liked his. Oh style. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ken is a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. He yeah. wore yeah. Ivy so well. He did. Yeah. I yeah. think out of all of the guys, he was the one, um, and you'll have to excuse me for saying this, but he was the one that was the most California. Oh, so for sure. For sure. He was like the more laid back guy. He was the likable guy. Not that everyone from California is likable, far from it, but um, <laughs> he wore a lot of um, sport coats, which is definitely more California. He was the more right. like casual khakis or slacks and and sport coat kind of a guy. Um, yeah. Also, um, there was another guy that was like, he, he seemed like he was the Greenwich village guy. He wore oh. funky stuff. Oh, um, what is his Rizzo. name? 
Rizzo is <laughs> that's not who you're who I think Stan Stan yeah yeah Stan Stan, Stan. Yeah, I thought yeah. that's the character. Wait, I I was thinking fuck. Now now I'm blanking, but uh he was the guy walking around Greenwich Village all the time like yes. uh Kerouac and Yeah, but all then you also fellas. you also had the character that like went uh on to be like a Buddhist for like yeah. a couple of uh what the fuck was his name? Harvey or something? What's a, uh this is gonna drive me crazy. But like I he his personal st- or you know, character style when it started being like later into the sixties and he was like yeah. in the beatnik vibe. Yeah, he was all in. Like, he it, was like, it fucking awesome. yeah, it slayed so hard. Yeah, he wore the uh I remember this one episode where, if I'm not mistaken, uh, again, it's been a long time since I've seen the show, but he wore um, a jacket. So hear me out. It was like a sweater jacket. So it was a knit jacket. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking but about. It had like leather patch pockets near the hips, uh, leather on the collar. It had a zipper with a, a circular pull. Like all of that was stuff that i'm like i totally had that yeah and and i would see those in all these thrift stores and to this day um my wife whenever she sees something like that she's like why don't you get something like that which (laughs) is true they are just really cool they're just amazing jackets but yeah uh stan rizzo was once it got into the third and fourth season uh, you know the middle the middle of the 60s and he started to let his beard grow and he started to get up you know chunky eyeglasses and yeah, I'm like, oh, this guy's cool. I like. This yeah, guy. yeah. Uh, Paul Kinsey is who I was thinking. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. Like because he, oh, he was yeah. a he was a pipe smoker. There was only yeah, one he was pipe a pipe smoker. smoker. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> and that is a mark of distinction. I've got to say. Yes, not everyone can pull out a pipe. Least of all me. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I remember seeing him with that pipe. Yeah, he was he was great. I do like how later in the season. Uh, I want to say maybe because how long? How many seasons did it last? Like eight seasons? Twelve. Uh, 12 right? Yeah. Yeah. Twelve. Uh, wow. Okay. Ten or twelve. Uh, I can't remember, but you know, it's it's coming up on the tenth anniversary of the last season. Oh so wow. Okay. That's uh, part of it. Oh, sorry. Seven seasons. But, okay. Okay. So yeah. seven seasons total. Right. Okay. So like later in the seasons, I want to say season five when the other company came in. As a part of the administration, and yeah. Harry Hamlin's character came in, and I'm like, yeah, that guy. I remember him from oh, what was the big '70s movie, uh, Logan's Run? Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm like, I haven't seen that guy since Logan's Run, and of course, he's just uh, impossibly handsome, and he comes in with these big chunky glasses and a turtleneck which was one of my favorite looks of the 60s is a a nice suit and a turtleneck and big chunky glasses i think well that that, those kinds of things will never go out of style and and still influence me to this day same same i i am a chunky glasses uh my my frames that i have right now are like 60s ones that i had made into glasses oh nice yeah that's that's just my yeah, that whole thing, like, if it looks like Buddy Holly or, or somebody would have worn it, like, that's my shit. Let me see. What was my favorite episode? Um, probably the most memorable episode is the last one. And the, and, and I hate to say that because yeah. that's... It's, um, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah. I, there is a podcast that uh, I think it's on The Ringer 
um, that advertises on a couple that I listen to. And they mm. like, it's, it's a podcast that they talk about like what actually happened. And, and part of it is like, did Don Draper really buy the world a coat? And every yeah. time I hear that, <laughs> like it just started advertising the last month was seems serendipitous, but it just makes me laugh. But yeah. The last episode's fantastic. Yeah. That was a, and, and actually the whole last season, because you got to see Don Draper dress more casually. Right. Yeah. And you, and you thought, okay, well maybe he's returning to his former self, or you can see a little bit of his former personality start to come through. And then at the end, you're like, oh, he's he's still the same guy that he right. always yeah. has been. Right. Um, but that's probably one of my favorite episodes. And and the, the the times when he is dressing more casually, it's a nice insight because you you watch the show because you like oh amazing costumes and, and suiting in the office why don't men dress like that anymore but even in uh, casual times when he's washing the car or when he's in his garage you're like man that guy just can't lose that even in a t-shirt and jeans he's just washing the car and right yeah looks, still looks <laughs> awesome I, I like that episode where uh where don just stays in california and finds like the hot rod dudes and uh starts, that's, that's, you know, that's later right uh it's it's after he and Betty split. Um, I don't remember okay. exactly what episode it is, but you know his his like friend that was married to the actual Don Draper. You know, he's, oh right. He, when he stays with her, and he's just wearing some like selvage, you know, selvage jeans. I think he had engineer boots and a white t shirt on, like coming back from the store, and like comes yeah. across these dudes. Like he definitely whoever uh, I, I don't know if John Hamm or Janie Bryant came up with that, but whoever did killed that fucking look for the time uh that was man that's such a great run i remember the, the all of those seasons were just so good and everyone's arc where that was uh very was varied and you didn't know where it was gonna go right yeah it, it's I, i'm not a huge television person but madman at the time really struck a chord with me and like it was the show that i made sure i could watch and what what did you watch before and after? The reason why I asked that is because <laughs> before Mad Men came out, my wife and I were really into Lost. Okay, uh, never got into that. Okay, um, well, I don't recommend it because it's a, it's an incredible <laughs> letdown. Yeah, I, it was it was a, a good idea, right? It's 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 a good idea, and there are parts of that show that shine and that really made the early two thousand. However. <laughs> yeah there right. is so much of that show that were just misses and it, uh, they they kind of lost themselves right and it, in total it it is not worth the time to invest i i will say uh and th this will tell you everything you need to know i admittedly have shit taste in movies and television <laughs> well and, not in Mad Men, apparently uh, not in Mad Men. Mad Men is one of the shining beacons of my taste but i love the transformers michael bay movies so oh okay uh, yeah right. Mad Men is an fucking michael bay transformers movies in <laughs> everything we do so here we are contractually yet again on our clothing show <laughs> yeah, I, but, but I don't really have an answer. Like, I don't know what I watched before or after, really. Like, I haven't, I don't think I've been into it. Matt TV won't show. even watch The Sopranos. I, I want to watch so, The like, Sopranos. It just, it's an undertaking that, like, I don't know. I will so get to it. watching Transformers. I will get to eventually. <laughs> I, I just started, well, you and I are in the same boat because um, Sopranos was one of those that I think came out around 
Boardwalk the same Empire time. Would be something. Haven't seen Empire. No. Yeah, me either. Um, there's a bunch of shows that are on my to watch list. Yeah. But yeah. I would after say Lost Empire Time. has has like some significant similarities to for Mad sure. Men. For sure. I oh. don't think if like, Mad Men hadn't hadn't been done, Boardwalk Empire may not have been done either. Oh wow. Huh. Like, you know, it feels like it's in that yeah. same that same legacy. Like the Sopranos. Well, it's like too. a very thoughtful like a very thoughtfully done right, period right. Of like, drama. While while I don't think what I know and what I've seen of the Sopranos is like the same subject matter or style influence or whatever of Mad Men, but like there, there probably wouldn't be the uh, Mad Men without Sopranos. No, and it's Ma- I, I mean it's Michael Weiner did the Sopranos. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Or sorry, Matthew Matthew um, Weiner, yeah, did the Sopranos was like was I think a producer on the Sopranos. Right. Oh wow. So they're like well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. he probably uh, yeah. so they are like a lot. Sort of spiritually connected for sure, for sure. Um. So, Peter, since you were into, you know, the the time period of, of tailoring that Mad Men, you know, mostly had throughout the the run, was there anything that you picked up on that just wasn't right? Um, well, I didn't live through that period. So I, well, I from, can't from your, you know, from your say. aficionado phase, like, was there something you saw or things that you saw that you're just like, that doesn't seem correct? Well, um... So I asked uh, a bunch of people that did live through that era oh, cool. what they thought about Mad Men. And there's this, uh, at the time, my wife and I were living in Berkeley and there was an older couple that had lived through that time period. And they're like, yeah, that, that's mostly correct. However, um, obviously because it is on TV, everything is very perfect. Plus, keep in mind, I'm asking people who are living in Berkeley. So right. things are yeah. things are a little sloppier. And uh, maybe they just thought getting that dressed up was uh, a little out of control. But uh, they did say that pretty much everything was as it is. Um, white shirts. People kept white shirts everywhere. Um, I, and I will go so far as to say even into in some circles, even into the 90s, if if you were not wearing a white shirt, you were, it, it was considered who is this guy? Who is this scofflaw? Who is right. this Dido <laughs> talking to me and anything other than a, a white or blue Oxford shirt? Um, so that was kind of true, and and in fact, um, that kind of got me back into white shirts because. At the time on Style Forum, and even to this day, there are many people that say white shirts are too stark. They're too uh, plain. They are much too formal. And in some ways, yes, they are. However, that's just classic ivy. Yeah. That is the white Oxford cloth button down is, you can't go wrong with that. And especially if it's rumply. So there are ways to make it less formal, which I think Ivy did very well. For sure. You didn't see too much of that in Mad Men because everything was very starched. But um, actually, now that you think about it, um, one of the characters that we were uh, talking about in Mad Men, uh, hang on, let me see who this is again, because he kind of did that really, really well. Um, Ken Cosgrove. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Ken, uh, Ken Cosgrove. And of course, Stan Rizzo. Those are the the more casual guys. They did that casual look very well. They were not overly starched. They rarely wore suits. Um, and in the '60s, especially in in California, 
that look was much more popular and much more common. Um, people still iron their shirts, sh- sure, but um, they w- would wear them casually a little more often. And white shirts was pretty much all that you had. Maybe blue, maybe pink, but California didn't do pink too much. They did blue. Right. Um, I was more of a, an ivy style. Um, I was talking to uh, the guys in Buck Mason that um, did a whole thing on California ivy. Ooh. So there is this... There is this guy, oh, I can't think of his name. He is also on Style Forum, a wonderful dude. Um, he lives in L.A., and let me see if I can find him real quick. Um, oh, man. It'll come to me. I'll, I'll send you a link of nice. who this guy is. He's probably in his 60s, maybe 70s. And every time he posts something, it's it's wonderful because it's, it is directly from that era he does more classic ivy so he doesn't do so much california ivy but he does like yellow brooks brothers shirts pink brooks brothers shirts madras um lots of loafers lots of chunky shoes um he's man it's really great if you give me a second you can like press pause but give me a second i'll see if i can find this guy and you'll and you'll be like oh that guy of course i know that guy right right yeah Um, man So you can go right ahead. All right. So uh, there's this guy in LA, Roy R. Platt. Right. Instagram handle is Roy Crew. He dresses more in the classic Ivy style. So not necessarily California Ivy, but I believe he is a national treasure. I believe he is awesome. <laughs> he dresses in pink shirts and madras and uh yellow sweater vests and saddle shoes and Damn, yeah the guy is just amazing um however california ivy is much more simple it's much more pared down uh not a whole lot of color which is not to say they weren't colorful they would save um their craziness for things like plaids and batik california was really into batik oh clothing. yeah that makes sense so there's this one episode in Mad Men. I forget exactly which one it is, but they all go to Palm Springs. That is very California Ivy. Everything about that episode and whenever they do go to California and specifically Palm Springs, it is a, a very California Ivy look. Right. Um, yeah. Still pretty plain, but none of the pinks, none of the yellows, none of uh those pastels that are commonly associated with Ivy. It's still a lot of white shirts. It's still a lot of, or blue Oxford shirts, but obviously none of the sweater vests. Yeah. (laughs) But they do go a little crazy with the batik and with the palm trees and the atomic look and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Those batik like period sport coats are so fucking cool. And you just, they're super hard to find. Yeah. I, I found in the past, you know, seven or so years, I've I think I've found, and one of them, my oh, wow. a good friend, uh, it fit him perfectly. It was a thirty-eight long, and he loves that stuff. And every oh, time, nice. every time he wears it, I'm like, dude, you look so fun. <laughs> <laughs> every now and then, Beams Plus from Japan will right. make a batik jacket, and it's awesome. But they don't make too many of them. Um, yeah, and of course, you always have to import from Japan, so you never really know what you're gonna get. Uh, but they do make them. They do pop up from time to time. I wish something somebody would do something like that. But yeah, there. When I worked in the, in tailored 
you know, tailored menswear, like Southwick, almost like, well, Southwick for a number of those years had a couple of those and they just kept repeating them because they, you know, never sold it well, because of course not. But I, I always wanted to make myself one of those jackets. And I was like, would I ever actually, sadly, I appreciate it on somebody um, else, not myself. Yeah, there was this weird, during that time of the 50s and 60s, the Ivy period in California, you still had a lot of Hollywood influence. So um, all of the Westerns that were made in the 50s and 60s, all of those sets were just out East. So a lot of those people that would go to the East, like Palm Springs, Riverside, they would incorporate some of their Western wear into the style of the time, which was Ivy, that sack cut, that Brooks Brothers cut. Right. So you had, because of Hollywood and because of everything that was uh, being filmed in the LA area during that time, you had a lot of mixture of Western shirts, chambray shirts that were being worn with Ivy style suits. Right. So it, it is a really interesting time in, in California because of Hollywood and California just casualizes everything as much as they possibly can anyway. Totally. So they would wear suits with, it was very common to wear suits with sneakers, um, worn with a, a bandana, worn with, uh, it was very, very common to have that during that time. And if you look at old uh, photos of in Palm Springs during that time, uh, you'll see a lot of that. Bob Hope was a, a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a new book on, not to change the subject too much, but there's a new book on uh, Western wear that posits that a lot of what we think about Western wear or, or uh, what we associate with Western wear comes from Hollywood, for better or for oh, worse. Oh, absolutely. It absolutely. So because of that, um, it's, you know, when we think of Hollywood style, we think of or excuse me, when we think of Western style suiting, we think of um, the kind of suiting that uh, Dwight Yoakam would right. wear, or right. even before then, um, you know, Hank Williams would wear. Yeah. And even before that, any other uh, Western musician, because all that was associated with how Hollywood would interpret the Western style and make them a suit accordingly. Right. But ca cowboys didn't. No, <laughs> absolutely like not. Like, well, I mean, you know, like Graham Parsons, Dwight Yoakam. Uh, yeah. You know, those guys, a lot of them did uh, did wear nudie. And, yeah. you know, nudie was basically like taking the Hollywood lens and or taking like tailored clothing through a Hollywood lens. And it's, it's, it's so interesting to like, you know, think about because even going back to like Hank Williams in the twenties and thirties, like oh, yeah. he was, you know, that, that style was, was a sentence. Yeah. It's kind of sad uh, to now 10 years after the last, did you say it was 10 years after the last episode of Man? Mm -hmm. Um That time was so um, different from, now because at that time it, it, it totally dictated a clothing movement right that lasted for a good long time now granted it came at the same time that um slimmer fitting suits was were starting to come into into vogue and it capitalized on that by basing its time period on the inspiration for that style so it it, it, it everyone enjoyed it because it was it was wonderful to see uh, the influence fleshed out in front of us a whole universe with characters and you could see these characters wearing them normally. So it wasn't 
staged, even though it was. Right. right. But it, it, it was as if we were looking into life as it once was, um, casual, in the office, uh, dressing up to go out to dinner, sitting by the pool. Um, it was it was everything. And it, it was across America, right? It was from New York all the way to California and everywhere in between. So I do miss that. I, I think it was a very influential show on on so many levels. Um, it going over this now makes me want to go through the whole series again because yeah. uh, it was well, it's a great run. It's convenient because they just they just started uh, streaming it on Amazon. Uh, oh, nice! Of course, is not sponsoring this program. No, no. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> It uh, was an extremely influential show, and so thanks for giving us your time uh, to talk about this. We hope that it was informative for all of the for all of those who are listening, because um, I have learned some things. I think we <laughs> Obama mentioned Mad Men in a State of the Union right. in 2014. Wow. Yeah, so like it's been around. It's been like. Uh, influential on many levels yeah i'm definitely have to give it another look and i'll go through my uh photo albums and i'll take pictures of those pictures i'm so excited to see i'll send them to you yeah Yeah, some of them are pretty interesting hell yeah yeah we will use them if you're cool with that on yeah instagram stories and things but yeah peter i also want to say thank you um what is your um your handles for people to find you uh, if you want, you can look for me on Instagram. It's under my OG forum name, Urban <laughs> Composition. And I do a podcast as well with Derek Guy. We right. talk about everything under the sun. Hell yes. And uh, in fact, I'll be seeing him tomorrow. Oh, nice. Tell, tell him we said hello. I definitely will. Thank I definitely yeah, will. We, yeah, we, we hit him up initially to do this and he recommended you. So yeah this has been this has been great thank you so much for your- yeah of course it was great talking to you guys um yeah everyone thank you for listening um come back next week for part two of our Mad Men special uh series the oral history of Mad Men as we see it um i am matt smith at rebels rogues and i'm connor nunez at real connor nunez uh we are a at Apocalypse Duds on Instagram, ApocalypseDuds at gmail.com if you would like to send us whatever the hell you want to send. But yeah, thanks for listening and stay tuned for more Mad Men content. Bye-bye.